what hope is. That is our theme for this year. And I want to remind you to continue to use social media and use the hashtag hope is. You see in your bulletin where Donna Strom, she was with a team in Costa Rica uh, just a week or two ago. And uh, she she shared a hope is comment there. And then uh, Care Bear 39, Sarah Bear 39 was was good to uh, share a little insight with us from from her experience as well. And I want to encourage you to continue to, to share those. It's really interesting. I don't know if you've noticed this. If you're on Twitter, three other churches have picked this up, this, this hashtag hope is, and they have actually started a campaign themselves. And so you can actually see uh, where, where this is picking up a little bit, which is a lot of fun to see how God is working in their churches and, and to see uh, their hashtag hope is. Well, today we are beginning a, a new series. We're talking about the fact that hope is Check this word, sturdy. Hope is sturdy. When, when you hear that word, sturdy, what comes to your mind? Think about it for just a moment. What, what do you think about? Maybe, maybe it's a concrete slab, something that's sturdy that, that you can uh, build on. Maybe it's a marble floor, something that's just hard and, 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 and very, very, very strong. Uh, maybe it's kind of the image there on the bulletin, the image for this series. You know, there's all this water and then there's this this dock, and you know, of course you can't stand on the water, but you stand on the dock, and it's sturdy, and, and it's there for you. When I, when I hear the word sturdy, I think of my father-in-law, Larry Summer. Larry is sturdy. This is a man who loves his wife. He loves Jesus. He loves his family. He's sturdy. He loves Vanderbilt. To love Vandy, you've got to be committed to love Vandy. You can't love them because they win. You've got to love them because you choose to love them. And he's consistent and he's sturdy in that. And so, just over a year or so ago when we found out he had cancer, it really shook us. Because here was this sturdy force that has been in our life for so many years and the reality set in. The reality that, you know what, he, he's just like a concrete slab. He, he's, he's just like a marble floor. He's, he's just like a, a boat dock. He's a created thing that will one day go away. And if who we are and all of our hopes are, are dependent upon him being alive and him being well, then our hope is not sturdy. Our hope will not last. You know, in this changing, violent, angry, and hurting world, we all need a sturdy place that we can anchor ourselves in, a place that we can stand with confidence. And, you know, we're living now in a culture that is choosing to make decisions to really remake culture. What, what we are seeing is no longer a culture war. The culture war has, has been won by those who stand in opposition to God. The, the war has been lost. Now what we are seeing is a transition of power as those with different ideologies are now able to determine what marriage is, what family will be. All of these new structures are are, are coming our way. And that Supreme Court decision, pray for it, because everything I'm hearing out of Washington is that decision's already been made. The question is, is it going to be due process? Is it going to be on the 14th Amendment? And we need to be praying it's just going to be due process. Because what we have now is a a new regime, a new culture. And we need to understand what's happening here is that that people are not any worse than they've ever been. 
What's happening here is that people are basing their hopes and therefore their decisions on things that, that are not sturdy. People are making decisions based on their feelings. And feelings aren't bad, but feelings change. Feelings change like the day does. You never know how you're going to feel day to day. It's a subjective reality. And so when you base your objective hope on a subjective reality, it's not sturdy. But we see people making decisions based on fear. And there's so much fear in the world today. So much fear in our own nation today where you have conservatives who are afraid of big government. You've got liberals who are afraid of, of big business. And you've got, you know, you've got secularists who are afraid of religious influence. And you've got people who want religious freedom who are afraid that, that their, their religious freedom is going to get pressed out by the secularists. And so you've got all this fear and there's these, these battles for these ideologies. And if your hope is built on having your ideology at the top making decisions about what's going to happen in your world, your hope is not sturdy. Because those ideologies are going to come and go. Who is in power is going to change. And if your, your hope is built on, on, on something that, that, that unsturdy, you're, you're in trouble. Not only do I see you know, these things being shaped by feelings and, and fears, but also just fads. It's amazing the influence that celebrities have on the culture today. People who, who, in a lot of ways, are uneducated, who are simply capable and competent in a single area, maybe of singing, maybe of writing, maybe of acting. But in, in terms of a study of ethics or a, a study of truth, there's just not a lot there. But, and yet, they're the ones that people are actually reading their books. I found out that Kim Kardashian has a book out. They know she can read. You know, you just, you know, you, but you think about this is a person who is influencing culture. This is a person who's in right now. But here's the thing. If your hope comes from looking, thinking, being on the end of the current fad, that's not a very sturdy hope because guess what? Who's in today is going to be gone tomorrow. You know, my, my grandchildren are not going to know who Kim Kardashian is. We'll mention that name. We'll go, Who? You know, you think about the celebrities of old, the celebrities in the past that my children don't know who they are. Why? Because, because it changes. Feelings change. Fears change. Fads change. We need a foundation that is sturdy. We, we need to anchor our life and hope in what endures. Three realities I want you to see. Guys, put these up. We need a foundation that is sturdy. Now check this. We need to anchor our life and hope in what endures. So we need our foundation to endure. We, we need a, a foundation that can carry, now note this, the weight of our eternal soul. I, I don't know if you think about your soul as heavy, but your soul is heavy because it's eternal. It will never end. Death does not end you. You will never cease to exist. You are timeless. Having been made in the image of God and given an eternal soul, you will never cease to exist. That's heavy. And, and so a created thing cannot support the weight of an infinite thing. Your, your soul will not end. And basing your hope on a created thing, that created thing can't hold you. A, a, a spouse, a child, a job, uh, a, a place you like to go. All of those 
created things. They can't hold the weight of your soul. Last thing, your soul is infinite and requires an eternal hope that is omnipotently sturdy. Omnipotently sturdy. All powerfully sturdy. And there's only one source. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is eternal God who provides an infinite hope. Jesus Christ can provide a living hope that will not spoil or fade. Jesus Christ, as God, provides an omnipotently sturdy hope. The hope of Jesus is sturdy. And today, we will see that the hope of Jesus is built on what is old and what is new. You've got your Bible, and I hope that you do. Take it out and turn with me now to 1 John chapter 2. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's one in the pew right in front of you. Just take it out. Let's go to 1 John chapter 2. Let's all stand together. Sydney Sims is going to read for us today. Miss Sydney, thank you so much. She's a junior. She has such a heart for the Lord, such a sensitive spirit to God and His grace. And I've seen her love people who need love in such a powerful way. So glad to have her read this scripture today. This is 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The word of God. Thank you, Sydney. If you would, go ahead and be seated. What a powerful truth this is going to be. What a powerful truth this is. Let's pray together. Father, right now, illuminate us. Let us see the truth of this word. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. We invite you to come and call us to believe, to enable us to believe, to repent, and to anchor our life and hope in Jesus. Enable that now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I I woke up singing a song, and... uh, such a joy to wake up worshiping. It's such a joy. I have a feeling that I was worshiping in my sleep, and that when the when the alarm went off, I, I just continued uh, worshiping along. And and I was singing, uh, "The Rock Won't Move." Do you know this one? On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. The rock won't move. The rock won't move. And when darkness seems to hide its face, I rest on His unchanging grace. The rock won't move. No, the rock won't move. The rock won't move and His word is strong. The rock won't move and His love can't be undone. The rock of our salvation. Isn't that powerful? I wish I could sing it, but I can't sing. You know, this, this, this hope that we have is built on the love of God. And it's a hope that is sturdy because it is built on the love of God. Why is it so sturdy? I'll tell you. Because the love of God endures how long? Forever. Look at this. This is uh, 1 Corinthians 16.34. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Read this out loud with me. For His steadfast love endures forever forever. That's sturdy. That's sturdy. And when your hope, when your hope is the love of Jesus, you have a sturdy foundation. That rock won't move. And what I love about that love 
is that there's nothing that can separate us from that love. <laughs> nothing. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Once you are an adopted child of God, once you have been saved by grace through faith in Christ alone, Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39 say it plainly. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. That is sturdy. That love of God, it, it endures forever. That love of God, it will never be removed from us. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That hope does not fail. That hope is sturdy. Love and its demands from God have never changed. They never have. But it is new in Christ. And, and our text shows us that. So let's, let's go piece by piece. Take note of this. Write this down. Hope begins with love. Let's understand that. Hope begins with love. That is, that is what makes hope sturdy. It's the love of Christ that endures forever. That, that, will, that we will never be separated from. But here in verse 7 it says, Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment. So it's not new, it's old. But an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. Now, according to 1 Corinthians 13, if we don't have love, we don't have anything. Look at verses 1-3 through 3 and verse 8 of 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and, and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove, remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, if I'm a martyr, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, um, as, for, as for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Love will never pass away. Love endures. Love remains. Love stays. To have hope, we must have love. Without love, we have nothing. Everything else will pass away. Love remains. That's why God commanded His people to love. To love Him and to love their neighbors. And what John is writing is not new. This is not new. From the beginning, God commanded that we love Him and that we love our neighbors. Deuteronomy 6.4, this is the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. The Israelites would sing this. This was a song. They would sing this. They would sing this to their children. Their children would grow up knowing this. The Lord our God is one, and we are to love this God. We are to love Him. Love the Lord your God with all that you are. And we're not just simply to love God. You can't help but love His image bearers when you love God. To love God truly is to love those who are made in His image. And who are those? Those are our neighbors. And so again, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. What is the command? You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am 
the Lord. We are commanded in Scripture from the beginning. This is not new. This is from old. We are to love God. We are to love our neighbors. And this is and will always be the foundation of hope. Without the eternal eternal love of God, we cannot love our neighbors. We can't even love ourselves. Because without God, we can never understand who we are. The clarity of the Word of God and understanding our desperate need of Him and seeing His grace enables us to love Him truly. And having received His love and loved Him in return, we love others and we have hope. This is the foundation of hope. Hope begins with love, but it's not just a general love. See, there are some who sit here today, some of you, and I get it, you're saying, you know what, that's great, I agree, I love God. Love is good, I'm, I'm with you on this. You know, all you need is love. Beatles, got it. You understand it. It's not just love in general. It's very personal. It, and it's only, hear me now, it's only the personal love of God that is sturdy. So write this down. Hope is personalized in love. It's personalized. It says in the first part of verse 8, at the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you. See, the command to love God and to love neighbors is personalized in the coming of Jesus. So understand, this is an old command. But this command has a newness to it in the coming of Jesus. This command is new because it comes now in the person and in the power of the Father who sent love. See, it's personal now. Because God doesn't just generally love us. He specifically loves us. And He specifically showed us by sending His Son to redeem us. His choice from before creation of the world. Please hear me. God was not shocked in the garden to see His image bearers sin. How that all works, I don't know. It's a mystery. But before the foundation of the world, God the Father knew He would send His Son and His Son would provide redemption for all who believe. And this this love, this love is new because it comes now in the person and the power of Jesus who became love. Greater love has no one than this, that He laid down His life for His friends. And what has Jesus done? What have we been celebrating for the past month as we have been celebrating the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord? We've been celebrating love. We've been celebrating the fact that God loved us so much that He sent His only Son and that Jesus was willing for the joy that was set before Him to endure the cross. And what is the joy? The joy is the glory of God in redeeming a people for Him. And Jesus willingly died to glorify the Father. And that that provision, that provision was His purpose. To bring glory to God and that benefit is ours. Because we are loved and we are saved. We are loved and we are saved because of the person of Jesus Christ. Because He died to pay for our sins. Because He has conquered death. Do you see what He's done? He's overcome the power of sin and the punishment of sin in love. And now it's personal. Now it's not, yes, God loves me, yes. Now, no, God God loves me. 
He sent His Son for me. Jesus died for me. And now by faith, I am saved. And so now the person of the power of the Holy Spirit enables us to know this love and to experience this love. The Spirit of God brings conviction. The Spirit of God seals us until the day of judgment. The Spirit of God enables faith, allows us to believe. And so what we see happening is this God who is Father, Son, and Spirit, who is personal, who is person, loving us. And that love is meant to be personal. If you, if you have a general interest in the love of God and the idea of love, but it is not the defining feature of your existence. This is not your hope. Your hope is something else. And I want to promise you this. Not sturdy. It won't hold you. Only the eternal love of God that endures forever, that we will never be separated from, has the power to hold the weight of your eternal soul. Has the power to bring forgiveness of your sin and victory through obedience into your life. Only the love of God can do this. And that love only becomes real to you when you experience it. Please understand, this is an experience. This love is what we experience in Christ. It's not an idea. It's not a philosophy. It's not an institution. It's a person. It's a person that we experience. And so it's something that has to be realized. So write this down. Hope is realized through love. It says, again in verse 8, at the same time, it is not a new commandment that I'm writing to you. It's, it's, it's not. I'm sorry, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you. What makes it new? The coming of Jesus Christ. Now, how does it become new to me? Well, I have to personally experience that love. It's something I have to realize. And so he says in verse 8, which is true in Him and in you. We realize the love of God and it becomes real to us when by grace through faith in Christ alone we repent of our sin. We believe on Christ and we are saved. And that love and that authority becomes the defining feature of our life. Until Christ is the defining feature of your life, then that love has not been realized in you. Until we know God and His love in a personal way, we will never truly know this hope, this hope that is sturdy. Now, many of you were here for Easter, and if you were not, let me just tell you what you missed. Great music, decent sermons, and M&M's. Who enjoyed the M&M's? Yes. Children, I gave those to you because I love you. Don't you ever forget that. But there were some children who came Sunday disappointed, and I wasn't here, and they said, where's the M&M's? And where's the M&M's guy, most importantly? You won't get M&M's every week. That was just an illustration. And what we were, were we trying to illustrate? We were trying to illustrate the fact that, like M&M's, they're not meant to be read about. They're not meant to be studied. They're meant to be experienced. They're meant to be experienced. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, what we learned at Easter, is that this is meant to be experienced. And the love of God is not meant to be a theory or an idea or an institution. The love of God is meant to be experienced. And it's an experience 
that, that you alone must have in order for you to have hope. There's no other way. This week we were at a conference, uh, several of the pastors and I, and I heard a song sung by Sandra McCracken. And it was glorious. The title of the song is, We Will Feast in the House of Zion. And her voice and the words moved me to tears. And it was so powerful. So I, I downloaded the song. And I had it on my phone. And so I was with a friend this week, and I said, you, this song has moved me. It's so good. you got to listen to it. So didn't have headphones. All I had was my cell phone. And so I turn it on, and I say, you got to listen to this. And so he's listening to it, and I'm just smiling. And I'm just watching him. He's just going, it's good. I like it. No, it's good. It's really good. Okay, can we get back to what we were doing now? Why? Well, because Sandra wasn't there live like she was when I heard her. And the voice wasn't filling the room like it was when I heard her. And the lyrics were not so prominently featured the way the preaching had, had really prepared us to hear the words of that song. And so I was trying to relate an experience that I had had in, in a way that did not connect with my friend. It's just like this. Let me, let me see if this, this resonates with have you. Have you ever had someone tell you about a dream they had? Raise your hand if anyone has ever told you about a dream they had. Isn't that so boring? It's so funny, though, you know. And, of course, loved ones, we, we, I, I do it, too. I bore my people with my family and friends with my dreams, and they, they do the same thing. But, you know, here's what's so funny. You have a dream, and so you think, oh, i got to tell everybody about this dream I had. And there's something inside of us all, isn't there, when someone says, I've got to tell you about this dream I had last night. And we go, oh, great. The Cheerios were flying. It was awesome. Great. It was a dream. Only you were there. I wasn't there. It's not even real. I don't care. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad it freaked you out. I'm glad it was so scary. I'm glad you're never going to forget about it. But I'm, I wasn't there. See, a dream is powerful when you have it. A dream is meaningful when you have it. Hearing about another person's dream, hearing about an idea does nothing for you. In order to, to be transformed, impacted by it, you've got to experience it. It's got to be realized by you. And so it is by, with the love of God. Hope is not real. It's not certain until it is realized in you. Until it is true in you, just as it is true in Christ. Until this reality of the love of God, the love of the Father, is true in us. It's real. It won't give us hope. So you got to understand, if, if you're just a person who's sort of interested and has some knowledge about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, if you're a person who has a general interest in religious things, if you're a person who, who you know, you're like, I just, it's just about love. It's just about, you know, we just need to love each other, love God, love... But if you've not experienced that transforming love that comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ, then you don't have this hope. Your hope is something else. And it's not sturdy. And it won't hold the weight of your eternal soul. When we know and, and experience this love, everything changes about us. Write it down. Hope is illuminated by love. 
And so this is the experience of the Christian. And this is what's so glorious about being a follower of Christ. Because the darkness is passing away. This is the last part of verse 8. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. One of the great blessings of the Christian life is that the light of Christ now lives in us. Jesus brought the light of heaven. And that light now lives in us. That light is His love. And when you are a Christian, that changes everything about you. If you're not a Christian, I want you to understand you're missing, you're missing such a key component. Your hope is not sturdy. And more than that, there are aspects of your life there are aspects of your life that just are not blessed. See, when you're married and you're a Christian spouse, it changes everything. It changes the way you approach marriage. It changes the way you think about love. You're there to serve. You're there to forgive. You're there to, to maintain, to hold that covenant. It changes your marriage. See, when, when, you're a Christ, when you have a Christian home, it changes everything about that home. There's words that are not said. There are things that don't happen in that home. There's more peace because there's forgiveness. It doesn't mean there's not conflict. It just means that the conflict is handled with a peacemaking principle according to God's Word. And there's forgiveness. There's joy. See, there's a difference between having a Christian marriage and, and, and there's a difference between having a Christian home. And there's a difference when you, when you have a Christian boss or when you have a Christian employee. When you are a Christian boss, you know that you treat those under your authority and under your leadership differently because of the way God has treated you. When you have a Christian, when you're a Christian employee, you know that your boss is not ultimately your boss. Jesus Christ is. And so everything you do is unto him. And that changes everything about the way you work versus the way someone else works. When you're a Christian student or a Christian athlete or, or a Christian artist, changes everything about you. Because the light of Christ is driving your decisions. The light of Christ moves you. And when you're a Christian friend, and when you have a Christian friend, it's completely different because, see, a Christian friend will drive you to the Lord. A Christian friend will drive you, will urge you to obedience in Him. A non-Christian friend does not. And so I'm asking you this morning, what is your hope? Are you a Christian is His love that endures forever that will never separate you, is this an experience that you are having? And is it changing your marriage? And is it changing your home? And is it changing your workplace? And is it changing your school? And is it changing the places where you are participating in hobbies? Friends, this hope changes everything. And this morning, I want to invite you to receive it. And if you have already received it, I want to invite you to come to God and say, God, I need this more. We need this in our marriage. Bring your family to the altar today. God, bless our family. May our lives be transformed by the light of your love. Lord God, and maybe today you're going to pray for those who are not Christians. And pray that God will give them this hope that is sturdy that is eternal, and that will never be separated from them. This is everything, guys. This is everything. 
If you don't have this, you have nothing. So come and receive this. Come and ask God to increase this in you. Let's stand together as we pray. Lord God, right now we have the opportunity to come and get on our knees. And in, in, in one way, it's just to say thank you. To say thank you for the grace to, to acknowledge where it comes from. In some ways, it's an opportunity to come and receive and to say, Lord God, forgive me for my sin. Lord Jesus, I know you died for my sin. Take over my life. I want my life to be built on the sturdy hope of your love. And so by grace through faith in Christ alone, right now I repent. I turn from my sin. I look to you in faith and ask you to forgive me and lead my life. And then God, for many who need today to come and say, God, bless. Bless this marriage. Bless this family. Bless this friendship. Bless this, this, this need in the world. Bless this need in these I know. And may your hope set them free because, Lord, you're everything. We need this. We need everything. We need you. So hear us as we pray and as we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.